I could go on and on about what's going on in the news. And you got to be careful. Sometimes you got to pull away from that stuff. We want to be informed. But right, Pastor Greg, we don't want to get bound up in that. We don't live in fear. We're people of faith. And God ordained that we would live and breathe and have our being in what I consider the most exciting time in church history as we are in the transition, hallelujah. And Jesus is coming for his bride. And we are the restrainers because we are the temples of Holy Spirit. And so there are a couple questions because I want you to be encouraged today. That's why I believe the Holy Spirit impressed on me. Not that I'm special, but because he loves me and gave me the message and because he loves you fiercely and passionately. He loves you. Drawing close to God in a time such as this. I hear frequently, even while suicides are on the rise, I hear things from people saying, I have no hope. If Jesus doesn't come soon, Linda, you know I hear this. If Jesus doesn't come soon, I can't make it another day. Yes, you can. And yes, we will. I hear things like, I just feel distant from God. I don't feel connected to God, Pastor Tim. I don't hear from God. I want to hear from God like you. No, you want to hear from God for you. I struggle even to pray. I struggle to read my Bible. I don't even want to attend church. And I go to a grace. I go to a church that is a glorious church. Amen, Pastor Josh. Abounding in grace, loving people to life. And I don't even want to go to church. I don't want to fellowship. I struggle reading my Bible. I almost have to force myself. I don't feel his presence anymore. So we need to ask the question, if you once did feel close to God, if you once felt his presence, what did that feel like? What did that look like? How did you feel when you felt that presence of God? Did you feel tingly all over? Did you weep with emotion? I know I have at times. Has anybody else here wept with emotion? You, you felt as you're in the presence of God? Of course. Even in the presence of a world that's in chaos or a chaotic life, you felt a supernatural or an unexplainable peace. Is that how you knew you were in the presence of God? I mean, the presence of God can give you that emotional response. But I'm going to be honest, so did sitting by my wife. I remember the first time at a wedding, at her aunt's wedding, and we saw the video later. I told her, you made the moves on me. Gary, she made the moves on me. She rushed. She actually told her aunt, she, her sister, her older sister was supposed to, I was supposed to escort her down the aisle. And she said, I won't do it unless I get Tim. And then you see her as I'm sitting down and she, you guys saw it, right? The video at Sarah's wedding. She rushes to sit by my side. And, she, and I used to tell her, you chase me. But the truth was, 
when she sat by me, I got that tingly feeling. So I've had that with God. I had that even with Karen. So is that when we know the presence of God? I mean, I never lost that loving feeling. Now, there were times I wish that she was on the other side of the planet. And if we'll be honest, right, we've all had those moments. But I could still look at her and get those feelings or when she would sit next to me where Lindsay is. And many of you saw it. She would scratch my back or hold my hand and rub my hand and tell me she loved me or smile as I was preaching. And I I knew her different looks and her different expressions. And I would get an emotional response. Early in our relationship, it was very loud, that response to Karen. And through time, it developed into a love that deepened and was deeply rooted. And still, I would look look at her at times and she would take my breath away. I truly thought the day she walked down the aisle toward me that I might pass out because she literally took my breath away, not from anxiety or fear, but just from the overwhelming goodness of God that he chose her for me and that we chose each other. And those of you who have experienced that in marriage, you know that to be true. She was beautiful, her sheer beauty. Was my wife beautiful? Wait till we see her again. I I can't, we can't even imagine what those glorified bodies are gonna look like. I'm gonna have an eight pack. People here have a six pack. I'm I'm not talking alcohol. I'm talking, I'm gonna have an eight pack. That's what I tell the youth, right? I'm gonna get an eight pack with that glorified body. I believe it, I'm getting it. And for almost three decades, I experienced that reaction to that mighty woman of God. And likewise, God's very presence can make you cry. But so can a great movie with a dog involved, at least for me. You guys know, your mother used to tease me. Ten people died in the movie and then the dog died and you cried. Don't judge me. Linda Rice, you understand exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, you do too. We got some dog lovers here. God's presence, his glory, his kavod, it's weighted with everything good, his shalom, his peace, perfect, whole, complete, can give you that feeling. But so can sitting on a beach in the tropics with a cool breeze blowing and a good book listening to great worship music. So how do you know if you felt the presence of God? And if you didn't, whose fault is it? Did God pull away from you? Is it God's fault? Is he holding back from you? You can see others are experiencing his presence. So is he choosing to reveal himself to them and not you? What's really going on? Is it your fault? Maybe you're not ready or maybe you're not paying attention. Maybe you're distracted or maybe it's Allie's fault. It's Allie's fault. She didn't pick the right songs. The lights were too dim. The lights were too bright. The song repeated too much. The song didn't repeat enough. Whose fault is it? What do you do when you want to draw close to God? when you want to feel the presence of God, especially 
in the days we're living, but you don't feel God. Some would say, Sister Vonda seems to experience him all the time, but I rarely do, or maybe never at all. If you can't feel him, is he there? Is he real? Well, we're going to look at God's word for the answer to those questions today. And I'm speaking to born-again believers. And if you come to this church, you know what that means. You believe that Yeshua, Jesus, always existed. He is the Son of God, God the Son, who left glory, laid down his glory, was born of a virgin, wrapped in flesh, lived a perfect life, never sinned, and praise God, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt once and for all, past, present, and future sins. He died, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead. And the nanosecond, the instant, the raptosecond, the zeptosecond, you believed on him, boom, you were born again and dwelt with Holy Spirit, saved, sealed, and sanctified, heaven bound, and rapture ready. I gotta tell the story again. Now, people are gonna judge me for what I say and judge my grandson. Remember, he's four years old. Zeke was out with me shopping. You know, they go on ministry calls with me and there was a family and we were shopping and Zeke, he's so adorable. He is really learning in your class. I mean, he gets in the car, I've shared this. One day he just kept saying to me, Josh, you were with me, I think, when he said, Zadie, you know, the giant Goliath, I can't remember the guy, but he hit him in the head with a stone and he fell down and died and he cut his head off. But he knew even more. He said he took his head and ran with it. He goes, Zadie, who was that? I said, David. Yeah, yeah, that's who. Well, we were out and he's telling this man, we're in line, he's telling this man, he's, he's telling him you gotta believe on Jesus if you wanna go to heaven. And the man said, little boy, I don't believe in Jesus. And Zeke said, go to hell then. I said, message right, delivery needs some work. But I declare he's an evangelist in the making. I know, he's, he's too adorable. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get mad at him. I mean, it was truth, but you know, we wanna change some of those words a little bit. He gets the concept. I want you to realize and I want to reassure you, if you are here or those who will listen online and you admit, I don't always or maybe never feel the way others seem to, the way they seem to experience and draw into God, that you are not alone. We're going to go to the word of God. Psalm 88, 13 to 14. The psalmist declares, but I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? The psalmist is saying, why God? I seek you in the morning. I'm crying out to you. Why can't I feel your presence? David, who clearly states he experienced God in the Old Testament, he was running for his very life from his enemies. 
And you say, God, I can't find you anywhere. Have you forgotten about me, God? This is David. Paul found himself blinded on the road to Damascus, an encounter with Jesus Christ. He experienced the glory of God and Jesus found himself and found Jesus. And he found himself wandering for three years where all he wanted to do was preach the gospel. Have you wandered in a dry and desolate place and wondered, God, where are you? For 14 years, Paul labored building tents. I'm sure he had moments of thinking, you know, what about the call of God on my life to reach the world with the good news? And some would say for 14 years, he struggled. And then there's Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, who fulfilled his mission even to death on the cross. The perfect one who only lived to be obedient to the Father and fulfill his life's mission. He was so marred, so unrecognizable, hanging on a cross, stripped naked, Jesus, the Son of God, who had lived perfect, never sinned, only did the will of the Father. Willingly to pay our sin debt for our redemption. And he cried out on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So if you are doubting your salvation or that of someone else who has believed that Jesus is the Messiah and he rose from the dead, or you're doubting God's love for you and struggling in a season, or maybe always have. If you have believed on Jesus, you are born again. Remember the two thieves on each side of him? One basically said, if you are the Mashiach, the son of God, save yourself and save us. The other one responded, right? I'm giving you the Pastor Tim paraphrase. He's done nothing wrong. He recognized who he was. He believed he was the Messiah. And he said, remember me. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Aren't you thankful for the goodness and love of God, which are sure? So as we look to the word, I want to give you three reasons why I believe There may be more, there probably are, but I'm going to give you three. Why you may be struggling when you don't always feel God. One, I believe in a culture and a time of immediate gratification. You may be over-sensationalizing God's presence. We want the supernatural and deep emotional reactions. And while the presence of God can be that, and we've experienced that, it isn't always that. Listen, we live in, I want immediate action. I drive through McDonald's, especially with my grandkids. And I tell them before we hit the parking lot, do you want chicken or beef? Do you want McNuggets? or a cheeseburger, because I know what's going to happen. 
I've got four or five of them with me, and we're going to get on. Oh, I don't know what I want. You know what you want. It's McDonald's. It's not the Mexican restaurant that has so many things, I get overwhelmed. Good food, but I say to them, right? Uh, well, if Allie's with me, I'll say, Allie, you know what I like, order. And if not, I'll say, I'm going to give you my order and you put it into whatever package you want. And I'll admit it. If I'm in line and I see someone debating over they want, I'm like, oh, come on. It's chicken or beef. It hasn't changed. Why? Because we want immediate gratification. And we want that in the spiritual realm as well. People want to over-sensationalize things with God. In John chapter 6, verse 30, Jesus explained this. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Some people are always looking for a sign, for proof. And many of us desire that. Do we believe in all the gifts of Holy Spirit, Sister Vonda? Amen. Are we witnessing the supernatural here? Amen. And we're thankful for that. But we don't dummy it up. And we don't ever put God in a box. In fact, I believe we're in a season, Pastor Josh, of new wine for new wineskins. Many of us desire those things. You have a major decision. Have you ever done this? And so you pray, God, all I want is a sign. Or maybe, God, I'll flip the coin, and if it's heads up, I'll paint the sanctuary hot pink. No, I'm not painting the sanctuary hot pink. The, oh, the girls would like that. Pastor Josh and Allie, maybe a youth room, but not in here. If I do that, they put a clone here, or something's happened to me, Sarge, because it's not going to happen. So may I say, if it's heads, it'll be hot pink. If it's tails, it'll be gray. You, have you ever done those kinds of things? God, I really love Karen. She is so beautiful and seems to love you. If it's your will, send a parrot to fly through the open door right now. We had parrots, didn't we? McCall's. That way I know it's truly your will. Here's a good one, and I mean this one. God, if you want me to throat punch everyone who irritates me, let Brenda Rothrock dance on stage with the newsboys. Oh, yeah.
just rocking it for Jesus. And you are absolutely cool. And I got my sign, Brenda. So if anybody irritates me, you get throat punch. No, kidding. I remember when I, now when I was a preteen, that term didn't exist. That, that's been since I've been a preteen. Um, but there was a retreat when I was a, a preteen, if you will, for teenagers. And I grew up in Southern New Jersey. My wife grew up in Central Northern New Jersey. The first time my father took me to that part of New Jersey, I said to my dad, what language are they speaking? And he said, English, it's New Jersey. I didn't understand them. And those who knew Karen, she had a little bit of that stronger accent, right? But I don't. I may have certain words, but I mean, she really was. I had a hard time understanding them. So my pastor and the leaders, they said, we're going to send you to this retreat. And you're going to, it's going to be an experience with God. Sister Vonda, they had me believing I was going to come out of there a spiritual giant. And it's the first time I realized that not every preteen and teenage boy had been introduced to deodorant. That cabin smelled bad. That was one. I'm going to tell you, I learned a trick years ago, especially with international flights with people who don't use deodorant. Carry a little, you can still take them because if they're under three ounces, toothpaste, mint toothpaste, and if you really can't stand it, dab a little in each nostril, it'll go a long way. (laughs) Then, you know, back when I was a kid, we had, anybody go to a church with pipe organs? Some of you did, or organs. You remember the organs? And I, I love the music, the worship music we have, but this was something different. This was a New York, New Jersey thing. And I didn't understand what they were saying to me. I didn't understand the music. I didn't understand, Gary, the things they were doing. And they stunk. And then they had these big lights with the supposed faith healer. And she was saying ridiculous stuff. And and I was, listen, I'm not criticizing people. We believe in these things, right, Sister Vonda? But I'm like, where's the experience? I'm not feeling it, God. I felt like, where's God? And I'm hearing these great reports of these people who had gone. I mean, they're they're like giving these testimonies and I'm like, where's God? Where's God in this? I had some growing to do for one thing because I don't care where you are, God is there. But we don't have to dummy up things. And I felt like, man, am I the only one? I mean, I literally, oh, and the eating habits. If you want to know one of my pet peeves, Don't chew with your mouth open. Those boys not only chewed with their mouth open, but it was flying out their mouth. And then they were trying to talk. Sarge, I I know you're the same way. You would have hit them. She would have. I'm looking at her. I know she would have. Now, if you chew bad, I still love you. Jesus still love you. Loves you, but just don't do that. You know, we all have those things, don't we? And those things can get in the way and we have to be cautious. But I learned then that there are things and times where others may be feeling the presence of God and you're not. And it was at that event that I began to say, okay, 
If that was a move of God, what would prevent me from receiving that? And I think there are keys. Feelings, and you've got to get this, are not the only evidence of the presence of God. The church could say amen to that. If you always felt the presence of, you always have Holy Spirit in you, amen? If you always felt what they built that up to be, because that's where the Lord took me way back then and I learned really early on. If you always felt that emotional, like I did at the Western Wall, where my shirt was drenched in tears and where I had this amazing encounter and exploit and give God all the glory. If if you always felt that level, that presence of God, you wouldn't need faith. Sister Vonda, isn't that true? You don't trust everything you feel. If you trust everything you feel, at least for me, I'd be in jail right now. Just my thoughts at times. And if others would admit it, they would too. 41 years involved in ministry. And I can attest to you that the out-of-body supernatural experiences, and I have experienced them, are not the majority. Ministry is not all feeling that supernatural, awesome feeling and experience. Often, you have to get into the trenches. You've heard me say from the pulpit, when I plunge the toilet, I'll tell you which one it is. Lyle, it's that men's room right through there. When I plunge it, it's every bit as glorious to the Lord as when I preach. Do you believe that? But I can tell you, it's also been very messy. Secondly, another reason you may be struggling with your experience with God is that your heart has become hardened. Have you allowed your heart to grow cold toward the things of God? Wednesday, at the Revelation Bible study, we talked about Ephesus. God gave him a salutation, a commendation, and then he had a critique for them. Anybody remember what the issue was with Ephesus? They lost their first love. And just like in a marriage, if you don't pay attention to it, you can lose that love. Is that true? But let me tell you, you can gain it back. Especially when you have believers who are willing to submit to the Lord and willing to submit one another to one another. And that to Ephesus was to the church, not to the people and their particular salvation. And so if you have found yourself straying, it is not God who hardened his heart against you. You've hardened your heart against God. You've allowed every other thing to take priority or maybe things to take priority over God in your life. And it's a simple, God, I'm sorry. And going right back to that place. Is that true, church? Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. 
This is what Jesus said. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You know, the enemy will do everything in his power to cause you to turn your heart cold toward God. He can't have your soul, so he wants you ineffective and distant. Maybe something that happened to you, or maybe grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit never condemns us as believers, does he? He convicts us to righteousness. And you can grieve him or you can yield and cooperate with Holy Spirit. This is something that's not very popular, what I'm going to share now. But participating in open sin and defilement of God when you do it over and over again, come on, you know. You start and Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. You're no longer that man or that woman. You are a child of God. You are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. That's not who you are. It's almost like in your life, Holy Spirit pauses what he's doing, making you more and more Christ-like and says, hold on, hold on. Tim, stop with, the, stop with the anger or stop with whatever it is, that open sin that you're doing. If you're doing that and you are born again, are you still born again? Yeah. yeah. But do you see the spiritual bottleneck that that can create in your life? And I have witnessed it with people. They do it over and over again to the point they no longer even blink at it. The question is, have you gotten comfortable with a certain sin? It could be bitterness. It could be anger. It could be lust. It could be gossip. You get caught in a prison you can't get out of. How many remember, this is a newsboy song, God's Not Dead. The first God's Not Dead movie, right? In the movie, Nina's brother, I can't remember his name, and he's very wealthy. In fact, in the movie, he has a girlfriend who comes down with cancer and they're out to dinner. He's telling her about his promotion or deal or whatever. And she's trying to tell him that she's got serious cancer and he dumps her. Oh, I'm not in it for that. They're called fair weather friends. But God did a work in her life. Meanwhile, his mother is in a nursing facility and has dementia. And Nina's encouraging, you never go see mom. You never go see mom. So he does. And in the movie, he goes and sees his mom. And she's not always coherent. 
And he's talking to her, basically saying things like, I don't even know why I came. You don't know me. You don't know why I'm here. And then he goes on and says, you know, you're the nicest person I've ever known. You're the best Christian I know. You love God. You serve God your whole life. You gave to everyone. You took care of people. And I'm the worst person. I'm all about myself. And look at you. And look at me. I have all this. And in the movie, she has a moment of clarity. And she says, sometimes, something like this, sometimes the devil leaves you in a prison without the doors being closed. It's good for a season. You think everything's great until the door slams shut and it's over. Even as a believer, if you allow yourself to live in open defilement of God's moral standards, knowing what you're doing, you're still born again but the devil will do that to trap you in a prison, to keep you bound up and keep you from fulfilling the destiny, the anointing and the ministry that God has for you. I know there are people in this very church that could give testimony to that truth and the goodness of God. And you need to know God loves you. You know, it's like this, the weather's getting colder, right? I love this time of year. I prefer fall over summer. Some people say, are you crazy? But I prefer the cool over the real hot. In the cool, Sarge too, we can lay our clothes. But in the real hot, we can't get naked, Sarge. We don't do naked here. And so I'm a hoodie guy. I love wearing hoodies in the fall and winter. You'll see me most days, right, in hoodies. I love that. And it keeps me warm. It keeps me comfortable. And so I don't even think about the cold and what's going on. When you, even as a believer, allow yourself to grieve Holy Spirit and you become comfortable with that sin, it wraps you just like a garment that you become comfortable with and you no longer blink at it. And it's a prison. It's a trap. You're still born again, but it is a trap. And it will keep you from feeling the presence of God. He never leaves you. Holy Spirit is always there beckoning to you, but it will do it. Or maybe, or maybe when you got born again, you found freedom in Christ, right? I believe, I believe it's Galatians 5. It's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. And so you find this freedom, but then suddenly you realize, and I've seen it happen. I I saw it as a young boy. People would come up to the altar. They'd come to the altar call. And then all of a sudden, the people that people scorned because their lives were such a mess. And what a powerful testimony of deliverance. We've seen it here. They now get attention for it. And suddenly the freedom that God gave them, they use as a form of false humility, which is the greatest form of pride. And everything is to draw attention to them. Or maybe 
It's the people who come to Christ and then they start to get puffed up and they begin to say, look at me. I go to church every Sunday. I give my tithe. I give to the poor. Well, they're all good things to do, but who's it about? In fact, the ones that Jesus railed against, right? He said, we sang the song as a kid, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, little man, for I'm going to your house today. What was he? He was a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. There had to be people really upset with Jesus. The tax collectors helped perpetrate the Roman dominion and the Romans, I mean, they would cut their heads off, put them on post as people entered the city to say, you go against us. This is what's happening to you. Crucifixion was a Roman form of torturous death. And Jesus, what? I mean, can you imagine? He sent to the house of Israel. And here he's saying to this tax collector, come down. I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to let you experience me. And I'm going to fellowship with you. Woo. But who did Jesus rail against? The Pharisees. (coughs) The Sadducees. The religious rulers. He called them a brood of vipers. Whitewashed tombs. You're pretty on the outside. But you're dead bones on the inside. Don't let your heart grow cold toward God. Third, maybe God, (coughs) excuse me, is working to draw you closer. Acts 17, 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. This was Jaden's memory verse this week. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Al, you can come up and... I've experienced in my life that during the hardest times, I seek him more. Can anybody here testify to that? I mean it. You can start playing the music. Losing Karen was one of the hardest things I will ever go through. And there was only one thing I knew to do as a child of God, an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ Jesus, was to press into God. And in the hardest challenging time in my life, I experienced a level going in God, the glory of God that Smith Wigglesworth said, even the devil doesn't dare go. 
I've heard it said that during the test, the teacher is silent. I'm telling you, Psalm 34, 19, Brenda, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her through them all. If you don't feel like you are close to God, the question is, do you long for him? Do you thirst for him? Do you want the presence of God? God wants you to press into him, to pursue him. He's a relational God. The Bible says he's jealous for you. I love Jeremiah 29, 13 to 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now we know that God was speaking to Israel, right? But he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And when you study all the world word of God, that truth exists. When we as his children press into him and seek him, we will find him. Yes, you have Holy Spirit abiding in you. That means when you cooperate, I've said it many times, there are two words that are significant in the Greek for repentance. One into salvation is metanoia. I have a change of mind. I come into alignment and believe the word of God that Jesus is the Messiah. He died for my sins and rose from the dead, amen? And then metamalami, godly sorrow. And in the godly sorrow, that's where I say, Lord, I confess it. I'm sorry. I want to turn from that thing. I want to honor you with my life. There's a place for that. A dear sister in the Lord said to me this very morning, it's time for the church to be the church. When you have believers who want to press into God, in these final moments of the end of days, we are going to see things like we have never seen before. Just because you feel distant from God does not mean he is absent. He abides in you. The Bible says, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead abides in you. That means you have resurrection power in you. It's time to get out of your feelings and activate your faith. And faith activated is going to lead us to exploits and God showing out in and through us in these final moments of the end of days. You will be so amazed and stunned by the absolute goodness and glory of God, you won't even be able to stand. And I declare that that moment is now.
as Allie and Lindsay lead us in our final song of worship, if that's you, just cry out to the Lord. And if you know that any of those things apply to you, just confess it to him and lean into God like never before. Do you realize how much our Abba, our Heavenly Father loves you? I promise you, it is perfect, it is fierce, and it is passionate. So I'm not doing an altar call, but as we stand to sing, if that's you, confess that to the Lord. And no, God doesn't move. He's always there. And he has great exploits for you. Amen.